Because in the event that Donald Trump loses and the left starts taking screenshots of this video to try and imply that I was screaming Trump was definitely going to win. I'm including a tweet from an Atlantic writer who says McKay Coppins tweets, if Trump wins, MAGA types are going to crow that the media got it wrong again. When in fact, everyone in the media is so terrified of being wrong that every other sentence they write now is, quote, Trump could definitely still win. And it's true. Trump might win and he might win in a landslide, depending on which forecast models you're looking at. There is a poll for everyone. Why? If you want to believe that Trump is on track to win, just check out the Democracy Institute with Sunday Express, putting Donald Trump nationally one point above Joe Biden. However, if you want to convince yourself that Joe Biden is in fact going to win, I got a forecast model for you coming straight from 538, a 90% chance to win for Donald Trump. But the media as a whole, to use the quote from McKay Coppins of The Atlantic, is basically saying, Joe Biden's going to win. And he's putting this caveat up on Twitter like, if we are wrong, please, we understand Trump might actually win. But there are some reasons to believe he might actually win. Notably, that the polls are wrong. The polls are definitely wrong. And that's just because they're weighted models. That means the pollsters need to understand the changes in demographics in this country to get an accurate prediction. And because of this, they have a margin of error. In 2016, according to The Atlantic, there was a historical failure of five percentage points. Right now, it would have to be around eight or nine percentage points. And they say that's extremely unlikely. Donald Trump is not going to win. He might, but not really. We really think Biden's going to win. And it seems like they're throwing the might in there for the same reason that this man McKay is saying that they're scared of being wrong. But most of them think they're kind of right. I'm not entirely convinced. And in the end, it really just comes down to which, I don't know, faction you're on, which faction you're in. Do you trust the media? Do you not trust the media? If Trump wins in a landslide, people are going to say, I knew it. The media was wrong. And if Trump loses, they're going to say, well, you know, the media did say. And the media is going to do the same thing if Trump wins. Well, we did say Trump might win. There are a couple interesting statistical models and forecast models showing that new methods are giving a better prediction rate for who is going to win. You see, these traditional methods of asking people who you're going to vote for just don't cut it. You know why? Because most people, first of all, right now, especially right now, don't want to admit who they're voting for. I know there's people who argue there's no such thing as the Trump secret voter. Oh, there definitely is. I know them. People in my life, my friends, my family, people I know from Chicago that I've grown up with, terrified to tell me that they're voting for Donald Trump. Um, or I should say terrified that someone will find out. And that is why, according to Trafalgar Group, they believe Trump is on track to win. USC Dornsif says wisdom of the crowds. They ask people not who they're voting for. They say, who do you think your friends are voting for? And this new method of polling has been accurate in the past five elections they've tracked, which have included some European polls. And of course, we have the forecaster Helmut Norpoth, who uses what he calls the primary model. And he says, based on the primary election, Donald Trump has a 91% chance to win because his model has only been wrong twice since 1912. Very interesting. But ultimately, look, no one really knows. No one knows. But I can tell you this. We are just a few days away and the polls are already starting to weaken 
for Joe Biden. From the New York Post, presidential race tightening as Biden lead dips in battlegrounds poll. Before we read this and start talking about how Donald Trump's victory will destroy media credibility for generations, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box. You want to send me some stuff. The best thing you can do is share this video. I want to give you a decent assessment of why people think Trump might win and why people think Trump might lose. The Atlantic has a great write up saying, here's all the reasons Donald Trump cannot win. Of course, they don't necessarily mention any new kind of polling uh, systems or forecast models, but I think it's interesting nonetheless. If you think this information is rational, relevant and important, you can support my channel by sharing it with people and letting them know Trump might actually win. Biden might actually win. And you've got two different factions, both convinced it's going to be them. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let's read the first story, which is bad news for Joe Biden. Presidential race tightening as Biden lead dips in battlegrounds poll. The race for the White House is tightening, according to a new poll, with Joe Biden's national lead dipping to just under 5% and a much closer 3% margin in the battleground states. The results of the IBD TIPP tracking poll released Saturday give President Trump fresh hope for another electoral college win, even if he loses the popular vote. Quote, Biden has a narrow three point edge in swing states. Those six states decided by less than two points in 2016. Biden has 49.5 percent nationwide support in the poll of likely voters compared to 44.7 for the incumbent a 4.8% lead well outside its 3.2% margin of error. Trump gained almost a full point on Biden from the polls Friday measurement, which found the Democrat with a 5.6% lead. The survey has found a consistent but seesawing Biden lead in recent weeks, with Trump only two points behind on October 20th. I want to stop there. As I mentioned, I got the I got an article from The Atlantic that says the failure rate from 2016 was five points. If they're saying that the battleground states are at three points, sounds like Donald Trump is going to win, doesn't it? Well, maybe these likely voter polls aren't enough. Maybe they don't really matter, right? I mean, national polling is meaningless. Everybody seems to think that Joe Biden's going to win the national popular vote. Well, that makes sense. You know why? Many people who live in blue areas are highly concentrated, or I should say the blue areas are highly dense. Everyone knows this, Los Angeles, New York, etc. So they're all going to come out in droves. People who've never voted before are going to come out in droves. And Joe Biden might see a very, very impressive, impressive popular vote lead. But Donald Trump is likely to win the Electoral College, according to several different models. How about USC Dornsif? Check this out. Are these experimental polling questions pointing to a Trump victory? Two new questions added to the USC Dornsif daybreak poll this year reported separately from the main results, predict the national popular vote for, for president could be much closer than most polls are predicting. They also suggest Trump will once again win in the Electoral College. They say this election season, the USC Dornsif Daybreak poll is reporting predictions for the presidential election based off a few different methodologies. The poll's standard methodology is to ask a panel of participants what the chance is they will vote for each of the candidates running for president. It is known as a voter intention question. The question asked by most polls to predict the share of the popular vote with that each candidate will receive. In this year's daybreak poll, researchers are asking participants two additional questions 
that are intended to, as they say, harvest the wisdom of the crowds to predict the election outcome. The social circle question asks respondents to report the percentage of their social contacts they expect to vote for each of the candidates. The other one, known as the state winner question, asks participants who they think will win the election in their state. The researchers studying the data related to these wisdom of the crowd questions are Wandy Bruin, Day Bruin, uh, uh, Day Bruin of the USC Dornsif Center for Economic and Social Research and USC Schaefer Center for Health and and USC Schaefer Center for Health Policy and Economics. Murda Glasek, eh, they go through all the people. Here's the first uh, they say, what's the value of asking people which candidate they expect other people in their circle to vote for? From our previous research on social judgments, we learned that people seem to know their immediate social circles quite well. Their answers about the distribution of income, health status, even the relationship satisfaction of their friends, family and acquaintances were often in the uh, were often in the right ballpark. And when we averaged the data from their responses across a large national sample, it provided a surprisingly accurate picture of the overall population. So we're hoping to learn whether it's possible from this question to harvest this wisdom of one's own crowd to predict the election as well as or even better than the standard questions about one's own voting intention. This is actually quite brilliant. You know why? Polls are not just polls. Okay, look, I can go to the mall and I can put up a, a, a clip. I can hold a clipboard and say and stop random people and say, I asked a thousand random people, what's your favorite topping on ice cream? And they said, overwhelmingly cookie dough. That's a poll. What they do for political polls is they'll poll a thousand people and then say, okay, now we're going to remove everybody except 10 seniors, 10 teenagers, 10, you know, parents, and they choose who to include based on what they think is representative of voter bases, national statistics and averages. And guess what? According to Robert Cahaley of the Trafalgar Group, and I did mention this the other day, they, they claim to have fixed their polls from 2016 where they had a five point error. But guess what? In Florida, they still had a four point error and they missed Ron DeSantis winning in Florida, suggesting they still don't know. Now, Rob thinks when you ask someone, are you going to vote for Trump? Oh, no, no, not me. I would. I would never. What about your friend? Oh, my friend definitely would, because they don't care if you're mad at the friend. They just don't want to be the one to get called out. What ends up happening with this from USC Dornsif is that they'll ask people, tell me about the people around you. They'll then scale that up as their polling model and find in the past five elections they've tried it. They say, uh, have responses to this question successfully predicted any previous election outcomes? Yes. In all five of the elections in which we tested this question, the so- social circle question predicted election outcomes better than traditional questions about voters own intentions. In both the U.S. elections, the social circle question predicted national and state level results better than the own intention question in the same poll. In fact, data from the social circle question in 2016 accurately predicted which candidate won each state. So it predicted Trump's electoral college victory. It's important to acknowledge, however, that we're still studying the predictive capability of this question, and we don't know if it will be successful this election cycle. It's possible the pandemic could impact responses to this question because reduced interaction with friends and family might hinder the ability to predict how they'll vote. I disagree. I think it's going to exacerbate. If they're saying that Donald Trump is going to win based on their friends and family, 
then Donald Trump is going to landslide. You know why? When you're hanging out with your friends, you get a decent idea of what they're thinking, what they're feeling and what they might do. And when you're asked, I think my friends are going to vote for Trump, you say, what if you're not hanging out with them? You don't really know. And you only see what they're posting online. So in, in a sense, you may have a better understanding. But for the shy Trump voter, of which there is, according to many different studies, some people, that means these people aren't going to post at all. In private, they might say, I'm going to vote for Trump. On their Facebook, oh, they're not going to post. No way. Not to everyone. In which case, I would actually, I would say they're underestimating Trump. So, and, and in their own poll, predicting he's going to win, underestimating. Now, we have Robert Cahaley of the Trafalgar Group. They say the pollster who thinks Trump will win, Robert Cahaley foresaw the outcome in 2016. Will social acceptability bias deliver another surprise? Now, this one is all about nobody wanting to admit they'll vote for Trump. And he brings up a really important point. What was the worst thing that would happen in 2015 or 16 if he said just you, you were going to vote for Trump? Uh, your neighbors might get mad at you. People might look down on you. You didn't want to, you don't want to be looked down upon, you know, like, oh, someone's going to be like, they're not going to be disappointed. They're going to they're gonna be upset with me, you know? What's the worst that happens now to Trump supporters? Uh, well, one guy got shot twice in the chest. So there's that. Some people are harassed, fired from their jobs, banned from social media. So yeah, maybe people are really scared to speak up. And because of that, Robert Haley believes, well, we're going to see a Donald Trump victory, a very serious victory. Now, look, I know 538 is all about telling you Biden is favored to win the election, saying that in 22 scenarios, Trump only wins in two. Interesting. That's kind of crazy if you were to ask me that they don't think Trump could even, you know, that he's got a 10 percent chance to win. Now, 538 got it wrong last time. Or I, I, I should put it this way. 538 said Trump had a 20, I believe a 27% chance of winning. And they say, we didn't get it wrong. We said he had a 27% chance of winning. And then he won. That fell into the 27% chance. Sure. Everybody thinks they know, but I don't think they do. Here's what I think. I think we're seeing a, a, a factionalizing and a fractionalizing of communities in the US, making it very, very hard to track People are scared to speak up because of the various tribes that are forming in the culture war. And thus, the pollsters don't know how to accurately gauge people. USC Dorns have seemed to have a very good idea about how to figure out what people are thinking and who they're going to vote for. Ask them about their friends. It's actually really, really smart. But the Atlantic says, don't sweat the polls. Why the 2020 election won't be a 2016 sequel. I look forward to Wednesday or the week from Wednesday, whenever, when we find out who was wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, if the forecasters and the pollsters and the pundits and the media get this one wrong again, like the Atlantic may be about to, it will destroy media credibility for generations. For the second presidential election, they screwed up. And they screwed up in Florida. No one really talks about that, do they? I, have, I only just learned this recently. I didn't realize the polls in Florida were predicting DeSantis to lose. And then he won. That's fascinating. And that suggests the polls will likely be off again. But by how much? I don't know for sure. But maybe they're not off. 
Look, to be honest, I don't know who's going to win. I far be it from me to challenge the experts. Helmut Norpoth says 91% chance that Trump wins 362 electoral votes. That is a bold prediction. And that, you know, this guy, he's from, I think he's from, uh, was it, was it Storybrook University or is it Stony Brook? Whatever. This professor, dude, he's putting his reputation on the line with this. I mean, he's saying, I got a model. Here's what it says. What if he's wrong? Does he want to risk his professional credibility by throwing out some ridiculous prediction? The media doesn't either. And I think the only thing you can then realize is that nobody knows who's going to win. Now, the polls are starting to flip in some battlegrounds in favor of Trump. So Biden better watch out. But here's what The Atlantic says. Derek Thompson writes, one, in 2016, the pollsters totally whiffed on the Great Lakes states, Great Lakes, Great Lakes states. In 2020, they've changed their methods. Two, in 2016, a ton of undecided voters broke late for Trump. In 2020, most of those voters have already decided. Three, in 2016, we had the mother of all October surprises. In 2020, we have the most stable race in decades. Now, I'm going to stop there and say that's true. But there certainly was an October surprise pertaining to Hunter Biden, which the media refused to cover because they're partisan activists. Four, in 2016, district level polls indicated a last minute Democratic collapse. In 2020, they indicate Democratic strength. Five, in 2016, there wasn't a global pandemic. In 2020, there is a global pandemic. He goes on to say, no one can say for sure who will win the election. If undecideds in key states such as Pennsylvania break hard for Trump and the president benefits from another large polling error or smallish errors in the right places, he could eke out another victory or he could fight Biden to a tie and then win the ensuing legal battles that discount Democratic mail ballots. But that is not the most likely outcome. Biden holds a solid and steady lead over the incumbent president. While the pandemic is becoming more, not less, of a story as the country heads into final days of voting. When the president complained once again on Monday about the news media's pandemic obsession, his critique usefully, usefully crystallized his campaign's biggest problem. COVID, COVID, COVID. The most important difference between 2016 and 2020 isn't about polling methodology or the opposing candidate. It's about this. Four years ago, Trump ran on the vague promise of success. And this year, he's running on a clear record of failure. Judging by the polls, Americans have noticed. Perhaps. Yes, absolutely. But let me tell you. Do you know how many stories I hear from people who say they're secretly going to go vote for Trump? I can tell you definitively, there's at least 30 secret Trump voters in the world. Statistically insignificant from my anecdotal evidence. But I'm surprised to see people I grew up with in Chicago Chicago Democrats telling me they're voting Trump and Republican down ticket. I some of these people, I'm like, like I get a message saying, like, don't tell anybody. But so and so's just said they're going to vote for Trump. And I'm like, whoa, they should go tell everybody. No, they're scared. They won't do it. And that's why it's so hard to know for sure. When I look at my inner circle, my friends, my family, the people I've known for a long time, it's Trump country, baby. And we are from Chicago. OK, from the south side. Democrat, deep blue Democrat. When I look outside my, you know, in, in my suburban area in Philadelphia, I've, I've talked to so many people who are lifelong Democrats who have just with no problem been like, oh, I'm voting for Trump. Will they post that online? I don't know. Will they get polled? I don't know. We got some polling data, though, and I'm going to show you there is a real path 
ignore the forecasters. Take a look at some of these some of these uh, polling charts. First of all, here's the Trump versus Biden uh, uh, general election. Joe Biden is up 7.8 in the average. Well, let's take a look at top battlegrounds in the top battleground states. Joe Biden is up 3.1. And oh, boy, it's starting to look a lot like Hillary. They said she was up three points. That's right. In Arizona, Trump just took the lead. These are the key battleground state aggregate with Joe Biden seeing a 3.1 lead. They say in Michigan, Joe Biden is up 6.5. Pennsylvania, 3.7. Florida is 1.2. If the margin of error is three or four points. And there was a five point failure uh, last time around. We could be looking at the collapse of media as we know it. Because, well, not all media, I just mean in, in terms of electoral predictions and punditry. No one's going to ever want to go to them again. They're going to need to get new jobs. This is the current 2020 electoral college map based on current polling. They say right now there's 197 toss up electoral votes. Democrats are favored to win just because they have very large, deep blue states. Republicans have more states, but there's a lot of states that we just don't know where they're going to end up. When we look at the battle for the Senate, Republicans are slightly, slightly favored to win. This is just in terms of toss ups. And with, I, I'm not including polls, mind you. This is not a forecast or prediction. I'm, this, isn't, this is in terms of likely to swing Republican, likely to swing Democrat and toss up states. Republicans right now seem to seem to be at 46 in the Senate to 45 for Democrats, meaning Republicans very well may hold on to the Senate. And although many people have been claiming the GOP is going to lose it, I've been hearing now that Democrats are worried they can't. They're going to need a miracle. That's good news for the Republicans. We have this uh, battle for the House. Now, the Democrats are very favored to win the House. And so this looks really bad for Republicans. They currently have the House now. It is still possible based on toss ups. The Republicans win. But I want I want to make, make sure I point out it's entirely possible that these lean blue states do flip. And although it's extremely unlikely, the deep blue and deep red states could flip. I don't know for sure, though. But I'll tell you what, if there is a polling error that is a margin of error, three, three to four points, plus the as, as Trafalgar Group said, that people are scared to answer. And that's good. And, and, and according to cloud research, 10 percent of Trump supporters are lying. We might be looking at some blue states flipping red. What you need to understand about, say, the Reagan landslide or the Nixon landslide is that he didn't win every vote. You know, people see 1988 and uh, what was it? 1972. I can't remember. Nixon and Reagan had 49 state landslides, but it wasn't like they won 99 percent of the votes. They didn't. They won a, just over, I think, a plurality, not even a majority. I think Reagan got a majority. Nixon, I believe, got a plurality. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I believe it was a majority for both. I, I, don't, I don't have it pulled up. So whatever. The point is, tens of millions of people still voted for the Democrats in those elections. Just not enough. We're looking at the states flipping red. But, Cal, you know, I really doubt California is going to turn red. But as you can see in this congressional map, Eastern California is all Republican. And there's Central California. And that's toss up. You've got San Diego the San Diego area, which is also Republican. It's entirely possible that only a few percentage points can swing a district. What you need to know 
about, say, Ocasio-Cortez's district. I believe she won last time with like 170,000 votes in her district. Probably people just showing up and saying Democrat. But there are an estimated around 200,000 or so Republicans in that district. And I guess enough of them just don't vote. Imagine if every single Republican went in, in, in Ocasio-Cortez's district and voted Republican, no matter who it was, AOC would lose. She would absolutely lose. Now, we are seeing record voter turnout, which basically says, I really don't think that's possible because there are way more Democrats. They just mostly don't vote. But what about some moderate or independent left-leaning individuals? You've got independents that vote Democrat. What if they flipped? It's possible. I don't think it's very, very likely at all, however. So in the end, I can't tell you what to expect, but it looks like, and I'm just going to say it, it looks like governors will remain Republican. The House will remain Democratic. The Senate could go either way, but is slightly favored to remain Republican. And the presidency, oh man, I have no idea. My gut right now tells me Donald Trump is going to win. That's, just, that's not just me. That's everybody. When polled, the majority of people say they think Donald Trump is going to win. The wisdom of the crowds, right? There have been several polls asking, who do you think will win? They say Trump. Now we have polls saying, who are your friends going to vote for? And they say Trump. Stands to reason that people won't admit who they're going to vote for, but they think people are going to vote for Trump. I think so too. You know why? I think the money is good. That's it. I think we're all better off now. And I think people are getting sick and tired of the violence, the riots, cancel culture, wokeness. Nobody wants to speak up, though. They're scared. So I tell you this. I know a lot of people. I know progressives who hate cancel culture. No joke. Not even kidding. They're, I wouldn't call them super politically active. They're just people who are very progressive. I wonder how many of them are going to secretly vote for Donald Trump and just never admit it to anyone more than you realize. I hope so. I hope so. The media and the Democrats need to be told the American people will not tolerate your corruption and your lies any longer. But we will see. For today is Saturday, I think. Is it Saturday? And uh, the election is only a few days away. A few days this is going to be crazy. I'm having a big party. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It's a different channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Last night, we saw more rioting and unrest in the Pacific Northwest. We also saw the deployment of the National Guard into Philadelphia, though things have remained mostly peaceful in D.C., Philly, and New York since the riots we saw in this past week. In the Pacific Northwest, however, we're getting a lot of what we've already gotten and I got to say, man, I'm tired. I don't think anybody cares. And this is a scary thing that this kind of rampant violence and unrest is just normalized. The most shocking thing I guess I saw to this was that they're, they're attacking random people. That's right. They're walking up to random people and just attacking them. One guy seems totally confused. They knock him down, start beating on him. He drops his gun. They steal it. And he's like, what? like totally oblivious to what's been going on in his city, like some kind of moron. Now, look, I'm not trying to be mean to the guy who got attacked, but you're going to walk around with this dumb look on your face as you're being surrounded by violent far left rioters 
and they knock you down. You drop your gun and he goes, can someone help me find it? Are you stupid, dude? Have you been paying attention to what these people are doing? Sure enough, some guy picks it up and goes, now it's mine. And the guy's like, huh? And he walks off with his gun while other people get in his face and push him back and tell him no. I'm sick and tired of it, man. Look, I, you know, this kind of violence should not, we should not allow it to be normalized, but it is. Does anyone really care? This has been going on nonstop for months and it's getting worse. I'm sure some people do. It's probably why you're watching, but most people just don't. Or maybe it's wrong. Maybe the polls are wrong. Bill Maher last night was talking about skipping the Civil War, he said, because Bill Maher is also, uh, you know, it, 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 it kind of breaks my heart to have to say this, but wow, am I impressed at how unread Bill Maher is being totally oblivious to what's going on around him. But I guess I got to say the best example of this was when the Covington scandal happened with the kids in the Lincoln Memorial. And then like a week later, Bill Maher comes out and he's like, hey, did you see what happened with this? Uh, and it's like, bro, that, that was a week ago. That was debunked. And all of the news outlets had to like issue statements and editorial notes about it. And Bill Maher still came out and was was completely wrong about what had happened with Covington a week later. Uh, wow. The dude must not actually read the news. Well, he's asking people to forego the Civil War and skip right to reconciliation. And then he tries comparing the violent looting and destruction and burning of our cities with the political looting of the Republican Party. I don't care about political looting. I don't care if Donald Trump wanted to award a contract to a company. That means nothing to me. I care about whether or not there's going to be roving bands of lunatics smashing storefronts and shooting people. Oh, but we must reconcile with them, huh? What does the Republican Party have to do with me, Bill? Nothing. I'm not reconciling with these people who just attack random people in the street and literally have killed people. I wouldn't do it for the fringe right extremists. I'm not going to do it for the left. Regular people don't care about that. And you expect... It's it's the Mitch McConnell Republicans to go out and battle with the far left lunatics. No, if you would shut up, actually read the news for once and know what was going on. You can tell your audience what's really happening. A bunch of violent far left extremists have been going around for quite some time, destroying, burning, looting. And that's what we are afraid of. And that's why people might reelect Donald Trump. And all the polls are saying that Donald Trump is going to lose. There's something really interesting. From USC Dornsif. It's something uh, I mentioned briefly a little bit in my, my main segment yesterday. But they're looking at asking people. They're not, they're not polling people saying, who are you going to vote for? They're polling people saying, who do you think your friends will vote for? And they've found that that is a more accurate question and has been correct in the past five elections for which they've tried it. The wisdom of the crowd. But also, people aren't willing to admit they're going to vote for Trump right now. So you ask them, who's your friend going to vote for? Oh, my friend. Oh, my friend's voting for Trump. What about you? Oh, no, 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 no. Not me, uh, Biden. Why? Why? Uh, gee, I don't, I don't know. Why, why would someone say they're going to vote for Biden? Could it be the roving bands of lunatics smashing storefronts and literally shooting and killing people? Okay. Michael Rhino killed one guy, to be fair. But people are certainly scared about it. We've seen people getting shot randomly. Lots of shootings. Like in Provo, Utah, where the car was just driving to the intersection, the guy runs up and shoots the driver. No joke. And Bill Maher on his show, can we all just skip the Civil War? Ask them. Because most of us are minding our own business, and then we're getting attacked at, attacked at random. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to shed a tear 
for for Vancouver, Washington, which is basically Portland. I'm not going to shed a tear for Seattle. The people who live there voted for this. And that's, well, that's on them. We have this story from the Daily Mail. Americans board up. America boards up. Sorry. Cities across the nation prepare for widespread looting and riots after Election Day as some states ready their National Guard. In Philadelphia, the National Guard has been out for, for quite some time. I believe it worked. There was about three nights of violent looting and unrest. The National Guard came in and it seems to have stopped. They say on Friday, boards went up over storefronts in Washington, D.C., New York, Los Angeles, Denver and elsewhere in anticipation of potential political violence that would be unprecedented in modern American history. Gee, Bill, I wonder who's going to get violent. Oh, maybe we need to board up all our storefronts because those dang old Trump supporters are going to come around with torches and pitchforks and, and, and balaclavas and Molotov cocktails. Oh, no, the Trump support. Yeah, right. It's not happened. Not going to happen. Trump supporters are not going to come out storming the streets in urban centers. These people are scared of the far left psychopaths and the DAs who refuse to do anything about it are responsible. I feel bad for the people who live in these cities who didn't vote for it. And a lot of those people probably left realizing the cities are falling apart. They say experts fear the unrest could be widespread regardless of whether Republican Donald Trump or Democrat Joe Biden emerges victorious and warn that riots could begin even if the results are not clear on November 3rd, a likely scenario given the surge in mail-in voting this cycle. Security officials are preparing for a range of possible threats from spontaneous acts of mob violence to more organized, planned attacks. They're talking about overt terrorism happening on November 3rd. Tell you what. Well, as these people board up, as the National Guard is deployed in Philly, I just want to kick back and say to all the people who are laughing and joking and thinking it was funny when I said I'm getting emergency food, I'm building a van, and I'm moving out of this city. I live in Philadelphia, in the suburbs. And I, I'm on the other side of the river because, you know, we had riots and unrest in New York and bombs were planted. And so I said, I still want to be close enough, but kind of far away from the major centers. And so I was close enough to Philly. And guess what? Several days of violent rioting and looting in Philadelphia. I don't think it would have impacted, uh, you know, violence would have come to my area specifically. It did not. However, it will impact the local economy. It will be damaging to everybody who lives there in some capacity. And I don't know what's going to happen on November 3rd, but I can tell you this. If the, the one thing I can say is with the National Guard already being out, maybe it's maybe it's safer, you know, now. But I'm glad I'm not there. I am glad I am not there while all of this is happening. So, yes, maybe I'm still one step ahead, but I wasn't wrong. I don't know what's going to happen to these cities. I'll tell you this, though. The riots and the looting that we saw in Philadelphia, it was not Antifa. The violence and the, the, the physical attacks in New York City on, on the Jews for Trump uh, parade was not Antifa. You got Antifa, right? Wearing all black, waving their little flag, marching around, screaming stupid things, anti-capitalista or whatever. And they're mostly revolutionary communists. In fact, there's an organization that leads a lot of this, you know, anti-fascism stuff called Refuse Fascism. My understanding is it's part of the Revcom. It's called Revcom, Revolutionary Communists. These are people who show up to protests and they're wearing all black. They're, they have a uniform. They wear their shirts tucked in. They have boots. And they actually like, you know, goose step and like march in unison while chanting like like some kind of armed, you know, some military or something. They do that. That's refuse, fas- re- refuse fascism. 
Now, look, the people who are committing violence in these cities in these past several days, random people. So I'll tell you what's going to happen in Philadelphia. Random people are going to exploit the circumstances as soon as some fringe extremist comes out and then, you know, throws a bottle or whatever. That's when everyone's going to run out and loot full speed. I'm glad I'm not there because I'm willing to bet it's going to make it. It will make it to the suburbs. In uh, in many places, we're likely going to see opportunists in New York, for instance, children were pepper sprayed in a vehicle that was uh, waving flags for Trump. The woman who I believe was a woman who pepper sprayed the, the family and their children was not wearing black block. It was just some random New York woman with pepper spray right out of the car and pepper sprayed them. And then we had people throwing eggs and rocks at cars from an overpass onto the highway. So look, everyone else can see it. They're boarding up. Walmart briefly took guns and ammo down from their shelves. They put them back. But I got word that some Walmarts on the East Coast, before the news was even reported, they're like, well, all the guns are gone. Yep. Because in Philadelphia, they I'm pretty sure they looted a Walmart. Now, I don't know if the Philly Walmart has guns on display because urban centers tend not to do that. But the more rural ones, especially in a place like Pennsylvania, with which has better gun laws, my understanding is. Yeah, they're worried that people are going to break in and take guns and ammo and use them. So I don't know what your plan is. I hope you stay safe. I hope you're you're, you're, you're talking, you're, you're calculating this stuff. But let me show you what, what Bill Maher was talking about just a little bit real quick. And then I want to talk about Donald Trump winning. Bill Maher calls for America to skip the Civil War and urges Trump voters and liberals to make peace after the election. Okay, Bill, tell me where the Trump supporters are that have been rioting for the past five, six months. I'll wait. That's right. They aren't. So who's making peace with who? You mean the regular Americans whose businesses are being destroyed and begging people to spare them? That's that's the Trump supporter. Oh, that's right. Trump supporters are just regular run of the mill Americans who are tired of being attacked and beaten by violent rioters that act with impunity. Quote, 34 percent of the voters believe there will be another civil war within the next five years. And I'd like to remind them of one thing. America is a family. And the definition of family is people who hate each other without resorting to violence, he said. We have to see each other not as mortal enemies, but rather merely as roommates from hell. If we want to simply exist, we're going to have to find a way to work together. Now, if Bill had actually read any news, any, just literally Google search anything about the riots or critical race theory, Bill seems to have heard stories about wokeness and complains about it. But if Bill had heard or done any research, and this is a complete and total failure of what is supposed to be our political class, <clears throat> he would know that what he is talking about is it's like hearing a little kid explain to you, you know, some complex job, like you're putting a, you're, 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 you're rebuilding a transmission and the kid's like, I think you should just use glue because then they'll stick. And you're like, do you have kid, please? I'm trying to rebuild this thing. That's Bill Maher right now. Little kid who has no idea what's going on, why it's happening, who these people are, what their motivations are. And he's just like, everybody can just shake hands and then we're good. As if there's like a guy with a MAGA hat walking around going, oh, I'm so mad at liberals. And there's a liberal going, oh, I'm so mad at Republicans. And they're fighting in the street, like slap fighting. I'll tell you what's happening. 
Far left extremists with a broken and backwards ideology that is overtly racist are using it as justification to destroy the lives of innocent people. There are no Trump supporters, for the most part, going out and doing anything to stop them. There are some people in their communities who are defending their communities and then being demonized for doing so. The only real group, there's two groups that have ever done anything to stand in opposition to these lunatics, and it's the Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer. And these people have, well, I can say they have areas of, uh, that, that, uh, of critique, and it's, and it's not, <laughs> they're not good. You can praise the Proud Boys for some things, and, and, and sure, but it's not doing anything. What we really need is law enforcement. But I'll tell you this, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to drag the Proud Boys or Patriot Prayer, and I'm not even necessarily here to drag Antifa. I'm here to point out that the far left violence we're seeing is not just Antifa or Black Lives Matter. It's random progressives who just hate. They are hate, 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 hate monsters. It's all they want is hate. And while there are Trump supporters and Proud Boy and Patriot Prayer probably hate just back, they're rarely ever going out. How many Proud Boy incidents have there been in the past several months? One? One or two? How many Antifa, far left, Black Lives Matter and progressive? It just never ends. Literally just without end. There are lulls, sure, but it pops right back up. I was talking to some journalists about Pacific Northwest. People are actually fairly liberal. And I said, I think it's simmering down before, you know, this was a couple weeks ago. I was like, I think, I think it's mostly simmering down. Maybe it'll stop. And these lefty journalists were like, nah, man, we know these people. They're going to come right back as soon as they get the chance. It's going to pop right back up. And there you go. So Bill Maher says, we should reconcile with them. You want me, excuse me, Bill, you want me to reconcile with the people who would have the federal government take white men to a to a special you know training center to deconstruct their whiteness and go through struggle sessions? Excuse me, no. There's no compromising with that. Tell me where we compromise. Do I say, you know, do I ask them, well, how much racial segregation are they really okay with? Should I go to Antifa and the leftists and the neo-segregationists and the intersectionalists and the critical race theorists and say, okay, well, I don't completely agree, but we're going to negotiate and reconcile and, and what? When these people are willing to resort to violence for their psychotic ideology, what am I supposed to do? I'll tell you what I did. I moved away from those cities because these people are nuts. And, you know, uh, we had Christopher Rufo, one of the foremost experts on critical race theory, especially in government and schools. We had him on the IRL podcast yesterday, and he said, most of these corporations, these businesses, they don't care about any of this stuff. They don't have anything to do with it. So they just put these messages like, fine, whatever. They keep bending the knee to these extremists, of which they are a very small fringe minority. But they are insane. It's about time Americans said, shut your mouth to these people. And therein lies the big problem. Bill Maher talking about civil war. Can we skip it? Bill, I don't know. I don't know if there will be one. We're probably in some kind of civil war. But I, I, there's, there's, there's two things I really love about what Bill Maher was saying. Man, did Bill Maher never read a history book? I'm trying to keep myself from swearing at how stupid Bill is. Bill goes, there can't be a civil war. These people are wrong. There's no Mason-Dixon line. If there was, it would go through our, our homes and our cities. Because I never read history about any other civil war other than what I glanced at the back of a civil war novel from Barnes and Noble. Bill, it's called the Spanish Civil War. Do you ever read about that one? There's not just a dividing line where people are like, okay, this is my side. And this is your side. Now we fight. Urban centers lit up. 
rural areas led up and they were divided and they fought to 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 connect and seize territory. It's 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 remarkable at what happened to our political class and our media class. It has just become corruption, vanity and laziness. You know, maybe we need a little bit of Trump. We need a little bit of Trump. You know why? They did a poll of American kids. They did a poll of Chinese kids. You know, the number one job for Chinese kids was astronaut. You know, the number one job for American kids was influencer. That's us. Vanity America. Well, we're victims of of victims of our own success. And with this comes the lazy political class. They don't actually want to get anything done. Just give me the keys to the castle. Come on. You see AOC with that $14,000 suit on the cover of Vanity Fair. And she's like, Republicans are trying to shame me for wearing really nice clothes. Let me, let, let, let me, let me step in, ma'am, and tell you what I see when I see someone like Ocasio-Cortez wearing $14,000 outfit on the cover of a magazine. You just want the keys to the castle. That's it. You want to get your followers. You don't care about people. You pretend to. I'm sure she cares about some things, but she doesn't care enough to actually do research and figure out ways to solve problems. And then when given the opportunity, give me that $14,000 suit, slap it on me. I'm going on the cover of that magazine. I've had opportunities to do photo ops for, for magazines, and they want me to wear certain clothes, and they want me to change my style. And I said, no. And you want to know how you can trust me on this one? Because when I got invited to the White House, I said, I'm not going to dress up. And what did I wear? I wore this. And people are like, I can't believe Tim Pool's wearing like an unbuttoned, untucked shirt and a beanie. And I was like, you can believe it. And like, actually, yeah, I can believe it. I once got invited to the Clinton Gala Foundation black tie affair, and I said, I won't wear it. And they said, you can't come. I said, too bad. I'm not coming. I don't want the keys to the castle. I don't want to have anything to do with your stupid castle. I am sick and tired of people who are pretending to care just to get by and make money. Now, maybe I'm being mean. Maybe the reality is people are just inept. And the real problem is something in our in, deeply ingrained in our culture. But I tell you why we need a little bit of Trump. You know why? We need common goals. We need a mission. We need to go to Mars. We need unifying principles. We don't, we, 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 we don't want to venerate the nation above all else as these people scream fascism. That's what they think. No, the individual above all else. But we work together to maintain a good nation. And we should have goals or something. Perhaps we need politicians who pay attention instead of just saying, elect me and I will sit in a chair and pretend to do work. We need people who care about what's going on in this country instead of people like Bill Maher, who barely reads the news and then makes comments that make literally no sense to his halfwit midwit audience. We need people who are actually focused on what's going wrong in our country and how to improve the lives of not just the American people, but ultimately everybody. I know a lot of people would say America first, and I would say yes, and then everyone else second. And I think that's fair. What I mean by that is you, you have to secure your own mask before you secure the masks of those around you. So I will happily say we got to make sure this country is running well. We need a political class that pays attention, is passionate, and cares. We don't have it. We need a pundit class that pays attention, is passionate, and cares, and we don't have it either. We need people involved in politics who care. We don't have a whole lot of that either. It's starting to maybe a lot of new Republican faces popping up that seem to care and even progressives and far leftists who I very much disagree with on a lot of policy, but at least they're actually trying. Not like this crony corporate establishment that says, give me the keys to the castle. Unfortunately, they're marching in lockstep with Ocasio-Cortez, who is basically Pelosi Jr. Now, she just says, I'm progressive and here's my progressive policies. So they clap and cheer as she puts on her fancy suits and then doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Trump might actually win. The polls are saying he's going to lose. But I'll leave you with this because I, I might do a deeper dive into the story. They asked people two new questions. They asked them who they thought their friends were going to vote for. They found that this was extremely accurate in predicting elections. And their questions now are predicting a Trump victory. Have responses to this question successfully predicted any previous election outcomes? Yes. In all five of the elections in which we tested this, the social circle question predicted election outcomes better than traditional questions about voters' intentions. These five elections were the 2016 presidential election, the 2017 French presidential election, 2017 Dutch parliamentary election, 2018 Swedish parliamentary election, and the 2018 U.S. election for the House of Representatives. In both the U.S. elections, the social circle question predicted national and state level results better than the own intention question. To put it simply, if you ask someone who are you voting for, they lie. If you ask someone who are your friends voting for, they say, my friends are voting for these people because it's not on them. And that's the Trump secret voter. That means that person you ask probably going to vote for Trump, too. But we don't have to factor that in necessarily. The results right now are saying Trump is going to win. Willie, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Because there's a lot, to, there's a lot to, to add into this. I mean, record high, record high voter turnout is a, is a, is a boon for Democrats. It always will be. And so we'll see. But I'll tell you, man, it's not going to be fun if Democrats win because of the critical race theory stuff. But listen, the only thing I'm really angry about is like for the most part right now is the rioting, like literally in this moment. So end that and fine. I can survive. But if people are romping about with, with torches and guns or whatever, I mean, come on, man. You don't realize. You haven't seen what this world is like. Some of you have. Some of you have probably served and you've seen it worse than I have or worse than many people have. But I tell you what's scary. You want to know what's scary? I'll tell you what's scary. Think about it. Standing on your porch and all of a sudden you see off in the distance just a horde of people smashing things and they're making their way to you and they're screaming things like death to America and looking for you, looking for people like you. People don't people don't re- realize there was a viral video the other day, apparently of Turks in France rioting and smashing things and apparently looking for Armenians. You don't you, you don't people don't get it. What do you do? It's like a tsunami coming for you. I was in Egypt during the second revolution years ago, years and years ago. It's like 2013, I believe. And I was uh, on the balcony of the 26th floor of the Hilton, only a few blocks away from Tahrir Square. When I saw the roving bands start making their way to the to the to the uh, hotel, and I thought, what happens if they come in? What happens if they smash their way in and they start ransacking the place? Fortunately, the building was very large, and I watched them start fighting in the street, and they were shooting at each other. I watched them carry away what I can only assume were dead bodies, and the fear is when you see a massive crowds screaming and destroying. There's nothing you can do. Do you hide? What do you do? Can only imagine what it was like for the guys in uh, at the U.S. Emb- the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi, knowing you're surrounded, and and what's about to happen. But regular Americans don't even think about this, and it's starting to happen. I don't know what you expect to do on uh, election day, but I'm going to be partying, so I'll be chilling. And uh, look, if Biden wins, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe nothing, but I feel like we're in unprecedented times, and I feel like there's no going back to normal. And so it seems like we're facing some kind of very serious escalation. The predictions that I make are based off the information I have before me. But I will leave you uh, just with, with this. You want to come to me and laugh and say, you're so dumb. There's no civil war, blah, blah, blah. 
I don't care. I really, really don't. It's for your benefit I say these things. Look at this photograph. Philadelphia National Guard deployed because of violent unrest. Everyone else is boarding up their stores and Bill Maher is saying, please skip the Civil War. Do you think that this rhetoric emerged out of thin air and I just decided to start saying it? Or do you think that people in America are on edge that no matter who wins, something bad is going to happen? And maybe it won't. But you know what? I, I think ahead. I'm a, strat- I'm a strategist. I'm a chess player. I've been playing chess my whole life. I like playing games like Magic the Gathering. You plan ahead. What could happen next? You calculate variables and you act accordingly. You hope for the best. You expect the worst. Maybe the worst won't come. But I'll tell you what my worst case scenario is. A lot of rice and beans are going to have taco night. The worst case scenario for people in these cities is going to be, I mean, the worst, you know. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time. Throughout the day, I've noticed many leftist personalities and journalists saying, don't let what's happening in Europe be used to, to defend Donald Trump. What's happening in Europe? Well, I've known about the widespread riots over the coronavirus lockdown. The other day in Paris, we saw a massive traffic gridlock as people are desperately fleeing the city as France wants to institute new draconian measures like you can't go outside unless you're carrying your papers, justifying why you're allowed to. Well, in many different places, Italy, Spain, Belgium, Czech Republic, Prague, there is a very serious crisis looming. In fact, the U.S. National Guard is, I, I, I can't believe this, U.S. National Guard is being deployed to the Czech Republic over COVID-19. It's looking pretty serious. But what was it about what's going on in Europe that would be used to defend Donald Trump? Ah, it's this. Merkel warns of long, hard winter as lockdowns return. You see, the lockdowns are returning because of a massive COVID spike. If there is a massive COVID spike and Europe did everything right and Donald Trump did everything wrong, why is this happening in Europe? You see the problem? As it turns out, perhaps we don't know what we could or should have done. And while we can look at Europe and say, see, Europe did the right thing. Everything's going, oh, it's back. Uh Uh-oh. The only answer that they have is lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. And of course, that's not a good idea. It's resulting in massive unrest. And I got to say, the craziest thing to me is that U.S. National Guard are apparently going to be helping in the Czech Republic. I didn't even realize we were sending. I mean, that's that's huge. The destabilization is getting serious. The violent unrest is beyond serious. People are saying no to these lockdowns across the uh, across the U.S. and the continent of Europe. I think that if Joe Biden wins, you can you will you will see the same thing here. So let me just tell you, we are we are asked over and over again if which president will be the one to end the violence. Perhaps if Joe Biden wins, we won't see any more leftist violence because they believe Joe Biden will do what they want. In fact, I believe we will still we will still see quite a bit, just not maybe as severe. They'll want to put on the pressure. But I think in its stead, we will get lockdown crisis and violence and riots like they are in Europe, because that's what the left and the Democrats have been saying. Look what Europe did. Europe did it right. Trump did it wrong. And now it doesn't matter, does it? It seems that regardless of what was done, it's getting bad. 
Here's the story. Another weekend of violent anti-lockdown protests in Europe clashes in Italy and Spain as Belgium becomes the latest to lockdown and restrictions tighten across the continent. Anti-lockdown protests spread to Italy on Friday as protesters clashed with police after hundreds attended an unauthorized demonstration in Florence, while hundreds more gathered in Bologna. At the same time, a Bologna, I don't know, <laughs> Bologna, however you pronounce it. At the same time, a similar event in Barcelona also descended into violence with demonstrators throwing bricks at police and setting bins alight. The protests came as Spain, Italy, and several other European countries introduced new measures to curb the spread of coronavirus amid a rising second wave of infections. Belgium on Thursday night introduced a six-week closure of non-essential businesses and extended November school holidays by an extra week as Prime Minister Alexander de Croo warned the country otherwise faced a breakout, a breakdown of its healthcare system. On Friday, crowds in Florence, Florence's historic center chanted anti-government slogans and threw fireworks as they came up against police cordons. The demonstration came after Italy announced its third emergency measure in two weeks on Sunday. Right now, we're very worried about mass unrest around the election. The left is convinced Donald Trump is an evil fascist and that the police are lurking around every corner, hunting down black and brown people. That's not true. In Europe, people are rioting over draconian lockdowns. And this is where we start to see the issue isn't so much whether you support or oppose political violence, though I, for the most part, do. The issue is about whether there is actually something wrong that must be opposed. I had a conversation recently with a, with a leftist who said there are justifications for political violence, notably if the Jews rose up in Europe and fought back. Yes, that's an excellent point. I don't know what to say about Europe because I'm not there, nor do I live there. There are many people who believe that the, the, the rioters in Europe should not riot because the government is just trying to save lives. There are many others that believe the government doesn't have a right to shut down in this way and deprive people of their God-given rights. Well, Europe is very different from the U.S. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, at some point, obviously, there is a threshold where people must fight back. I don't know if that's actually what you need to do in Europe right now. Like in the U.S., I mentioned, you know, people seem to think that there's cops lurking around every corner and, and hunting down people, which is just not true. In Europe, people need only go about their lives. They don't need to engage in violence. If people just said no to the government, the government would not function properly. It's really interesting because the, the power of the government, no matter what they actually believe, is derived from the will of the masses. The government can say, no, we're in charge. We do X. We have guns. It doesn't matter. If people just go about their business calmly and peacefully, then there is nothing the government can do other than bully people, target them. Maybe it devolves into violence when state forces try to repress the people, typically. But if most people just said no, then there would be no government. It's all about the confidence of the people. We can see in this photo, it looks like someone threw a flare of some sort, started a fire. Many police in Florence uh, formed cordons to herd protesters into another square at the protests on Friday. Uh, I had to get rid of some of these photos. I got to be honest. I can't show you all of the photos, but some of them are pretty intense. Under the new rules, gyms, swimming pools, cinemas, and theaters will be closed, with bars and restaurants having to close at 6 p.m. Non-essential movement between regions is also discouraged. Molotov cocktails were also thrown, according to Corriere della Sera newspaper, which said the flames from the cocktails blackened the walls of a building. 
vandals trashed bicycles and outdoor seating areas and sprayed walls of the city's historic center with graffiti. The paper reported that police eventually blocked the protesters into the Piazza della Repubblica Square using cordons and armored vehicles, and that some sat on the ground chanting freedom, freedom. Dario Nardella, the mayor of Florence, urged citizens to abandon the demonstration and express their anger and suffering in a peaceful and legal way. I actually agree with that. Peaceful and legal. I don't know about legal simply because uh, let me clarify. Just because something is lawful doesn't mean it's right. And they can pass a law that's extremely unethical or evil and just say it's legal. But what I'm saying is if the people just went out, seriously, check it out. They want to lock everything down, right? Imagine if 100,000 people just went out and sat down. They don't need to get violent or fight anybody. They can literally just sit there. And that's, I'm all about peaceful, nonviolent resistance and civil disobedience. Imagine if you had 100,000 people, the cops can't do anything about that. And that's the will of the people saying, we will not be repressed. Instead, you get fringe leftists who say, throw a brick. And what does that do? It actually discredits your message. Congratulations. We can see more photos here. This is not how suffering is given voice. It is only violence for its own sake. Gratuitous. And I'm like, I actually probably, I think that's probably true. Whoever disfigures Florence must pay for what he has done. Nardella said, more than 300 people also gathered to protest the government decree in Bologna. Bologna? (laughs) Bologna? The demonstration in the city ended without damage despite the presence of ultras of the Bologna Football Club, 1909. Others came from outside Bologna to attend the city's uh, the, the rally in the city. Italy on Friday recorded 31,000 new infections and 199 deaths, bringing the total to have died from coronavirus in the country to 38,321. Friday also saw clashes in the streets of Barcelona, where protests over Spain's state of emergency restrictions turned violent. The demonstration began peacefully in St. John de Barcelona Square before descending into smaller violent clashes on Friday. At least two people have been arrested, according to the Mossos de Esquadra, Catalonia's police force. Several hundred people from sectors badly affected by coronavirus, including restaurants, the arts and gyms, initially gathered to protest regional border closures. The measure came as Spain's central government unveiled a state of emergency to give regional authorities powers to impose curfews and close their borders to anyone moving without just cause. Anyone moving? In Paris, it's getting real nasty, man. You can't even leave your house. We can see photos of police moving out, people raising bricks. Some protesters began pushing against police cordons and throwing flares and other objects at officers who attempted to disperse demonstrations from the city center. Attendees told Spain's El Pais newspaper. Police also hit protesters, protesters with batons and reportedly used foam bullets against those assembled outside the regional and local government headquarters. Dozens of protesters then separated into groups to narrow streets in Barcelona's Gothic Quarter setting trash containers on fire to serve as barricades. A Mosso spokesman told AFP News Agency that up to 700 protesters had attended the rally, but the violence was started by a group of about 50, as it normally is in most places, I would say. So I I don't want to read a play-by-play of everything that's happening in, in these protests across Europe. You can see I had to remove tons of images because the violence is getting intense. But I want to point out, people aren't standing for this. People will not accept draconian lockdowns. I believe if Joe Biden gets elected, he will lock us down and it's not going to work. He's already said if the scientists call for a lockdown, I'll do it. And the scientists have already called for it. Now, some have said, don't do it. It's bad. As if that would stop Joe Biden. 
The Democrats are still locking down. In Michigan, despite what the scientists at the UN and the World Health Organization have said, more lockdowns. Now in Michigan, if you want to go to a restaurant, you got to write down your name and address, and they're tracking everybody. They want to know where everyone's been, who they've talked to. And this is a whole new level of crazy. But you know, I got to say, there is a challenge in uh, the, a real question between military powers, war powers, authoritarianism, libertarianism. Right now, based on what we're seeing, many people say this is wrong. It's causing riots. People are depressed. Suicide is going up. And the mortality rate is something like 0.00054% per, uh, 0.0054%. for those over 70. Even for people over 70, it's really low. For everyone else, it's like a 99.99 survival rate. The question is, at what point do we accept that we need to have some kind of national defense against a pandemic? Right now, most people are saying COVID isn't nearly deadly enough to warrant it. That's the big argument, I suppose. On the left, they're terrified of it. And they're terrified of lingering, uh, uh, you know, uh, lingering issues that could stay after you get COVID. And that's serious, too. But the death rate is very low. The government seems to be treating this like some kind of airborne Ebola that's rapidly spread and liquefying your organs and you're vomiting up black goo and stuff like that. Well, it's not. I mean, it's serious. It's, it's worse than the flu, and the flu is already fairly bad. But is it really the worst possible thing? And does it warrant all of the draconian lockdowns? I don't know. I, I would have to say at this point, I don't think so. I think we can protect the vulnerable. We can reopen our businesses, and we need to just be cautious. But also, I think it's fair to point out maybe the reason that the death, you know, the number of dead is, uh, is, is at 200 and something thousand uh, people relative to what they said it was going to be two, two to six million is because of the lockdowns. And maybe if we open up, we'll see, we'll, we'll see something get worse. Maybe they know something we don't and they aren't telling us because they're scared to trigger a panic. I honestly don't know. I really don't. At a certain point, if we were facing a very serious virus, let's say there was like a zombie plague, turning people into zombies. At that point, I'd lock myself in my house on my own and ask the government to come help. Send in the military, take out the zombies. If it was just something like a severe Ebola, I would also probably get away from cities, lock myself in my house and be very, very strict about who I came into contact with. COVID has serious effects, but it's nowhere near as bad as say Ebola. So I think what we're seeing is that there are people who really just don't want to get sick, I suppose. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to catch COVID, and I don't, I don't think anyone should, should uh, take it lightly. But I think it's an opinion of risk. There are many people who say, I'm willing to take a greater risk to make sure the economy keeps functioning. And there are many people, and it's most of the left, who will take no risk at all. Which makes me wonder, is this the biggest mistake Democrats have made? screaming about the dangers of COVID while Trump is saying it's going to go away, don't worry. They criticize Trump for this. But Trump supporters now probably believe him and think it's not that big of a deal. They're going to go out and vote. Biden supporters, or actually I should say anti-Trump Democrats because they're not really supporting Biden, are scared. Scared they'll get COVID. They're worried about what they should or shouldn't do. They won't show up to the polls and they'll try to vote by mail, but now it's too late. The Democratic vote may actually stop because they don't want to go out and get sick. And it's too late to mail in any more votes. It could be the biggest blunder in political history. Now, this next story, I, I, I don't know what's happening, guys. I mean, this sounds serious. U.S. National Guard assists as Czech Republic sounds COVID-19 alarm. Over 13,200 medical personnel across the Czech Republic have been infected 
including 6,000 nurses and 2,600 doctors. They say soldiers in Poland are giving coronavirus tests. American National Guard troops with medical training are headed to the Czech Republic to work alongside doctors there. A Czech university student is running blood samples to the labs, and the mayor of the capital is taking shifts at a hospital. With the cases surging in many Central European countries, firefighters, students, and retired doctors are being asked to help shore up buckling healthcare systems. This is actually terrifying. Dr. Piotr Suwalski, the head of the cardiac surgery at the Polish hospital, said on a day when daily COVID-19 cases rose 20% nationwide. I think if we continue to gain 20% a day, no system can withstand it. Could it be that what's causing the spike is cold weather? We thought warm weather would get rid of it. What if it thrives in cold weather? It's now starting to get colder in many places. And now we're seeing a spike in coronavirus cases. Maybe Trump didn't do anything wrong. Maybe, in fact, Trump did a decent job and the governors did a decent job and everybody did what they could. I think it's fair for me to say that the only the biggest criticism I have of the governors is when they put sick people in nursing homes. But looking at what Donald Trump did, I'd say hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking at what the governors did, I would also say hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm not going to blame any of these people because a natural disaster occurred. But it does seem like things are getting bad and they're out of our control. And that's, I mean, that, 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 will it get worse than it was in March? In which case, are we going to see here in the U.S. hardcore lockdowns, store closures? We're starting to see it, like I mentioned, in Michigan and many other places. We're getting more draconian lockdowns coming. This is it. It is, uh, it's now. If Donald Trump wins, we will come up with a strategy likely reopening our economy and protecting the vulnerable. I believe that is the right choice. If we elect Joe Biden, he will likely ignore advice from the economists and just take the advice of scientists, which, while the advice from scientists can be great, doesn't explain, doesn't understand how you get resources to people to prevent them from starving, dying of dehydration, or just straight out dying from exposure or their lack of resources. If Joe Biden just says we're going to lock down, he could cripple this country for decades to come. So I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. But I'll tell you this. The unrest we're worried about is not just because of COVID. It's not just because of these spikes. It's it seems like there may be a group of people that seek to take advantage of this. And this is a Twitter threat, a Twitter video from Millennial Millie shared by a man named Dr. Zev Zelenko in it. You can hear some of these activists saying things like they're going to take over buildings. They have created maps targeting key law enforcement infrastructure. There's one point where one of the activists says whoever has the guns can win. I don't know the full context. And that's why I'm not doing a full, uh, you know, breakdown video going after this because I don't know the full context. Release the full video and let me hear what these meetings were. But essentially, these, vid- these, vid- these videos are meetings of leftists talking about what they're going to do on election night. So let me wrap this all up in a neat little bow. What we're seeing as COVID gets worse, the left feels more and more emboldened in their right to use authoritarian and draconian powers to protect the people. And we are seeing it get worse in Europe, which flies in the face of their own arguments. They don't seem to care. In the US, it's not just about COVID. The left is also saying they're going to get extremely violent on election day. We've seen the the buildings being boarded up. I just did a segment on it. There's already riots happening in the Pacific Northwest and on the East Coast. And it seems likely that if Donald Trump wins or Joe Biden wins, to be honest, there will be violence. You see, these people, these activists are saying they don't care who wins. 
Joe Biden or Donald Trump. They're going to come out and they're going to do their thing. They're going to get violent. And I think it's the American people who will pay the price. I don't know the way out. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on what we should or shouldn't do. The only thing I ever really tell people to do is make sure you got some extra bottled water, some food that'll last you, some canned goods, probably. I don't, I don't, I don't think people should go out and start prepping like crazy and setting up a bunker or anything like that. But I'll tell you what, across the country, businesses are being boarded up. In Europe, widespread riots are already erupting over these lockdowns. There is a camp in West Virginia. It is like a, it's like a survival emergency bunker system. You pay them a thousand bucks a year. And then if a disaster happens, you can show up and they've got food to last decades. They've put out the call to their subscribers, to their members. Come on down. Now's the time. They are opening the facility, telling people now is the time to get out of those cities. And I think it is time to get out of those cities. I'll tell you what, man, with the election coming, I hope you all voted. And I'll tell you, I don't care who you voted for, but your best bet's probably to get out in the middle of nowhere. I'm out in the middle of nowhere in elevated ground, uh, uh, surround, <laughs> surrounded, I'll put it that way, surrounded out in the middle of nowhere, I think we'll be pretty safe. I'm worried about what's going to happen in big cities, because it's not just about ideology. It's about opportunism. It's about leftists coming out, starting something, and then opportunists run out and destroy everything to steal. In which case, it seems like it'll be inevitable. The left is actually organizing what they're calling a coup. No joke. They straight up said there's this video. That's why I'm saying we need to get the full context on it so we can make sure this is correct. Because you know what I hate about out of context videos when you got a little tiny clip? Someone could say something like it's a clip of them saying, I, I prefer, you know, powdered jelly donuts. And you're like, oh, no. And the full clip is them saying something like, can you believe that Jim came out and said, I prefer powdered jelly donuts? totally changes exactly what was being said, quoting from qu- quoting someone or, you know, them making the assertion. That's why I want to see what this full video is about. I don't know what to expect. I hope y'all stay safe. I got some more videos coming up later uh, at 4 p.m. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk politics. We're getting we're getting close to the end of the game. I don't know how long it'll go on for, but it's not going to be. It, it might not be election and it might be. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is my main channel, which is different from this one. And I will see you all there. We're nearing the final stretch. There are only a few more days until the official election day. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to win. And we don't know if we'll even have the results on that day. But there are still concerns about voter fraud and missing mail-in ballots. Lawsuits have already begun. But the big story here, a fraudster attempted to register dead Americans as Democrats in Florida. Now, does this mean that there is widespread voter fraud? No, of course not. And is it safe to go and vote? Of course it is. And I encourage everyone to do so. The issue, though, is that this could potentially open the door for doubt and lawsuits. And that's the scary thing. It is true when they say there's no widespread voter fraud. And that's the important thing. We can see from numerous outlets like the Heritage Foundation and exposés from, say, Project Veritas, there quite literally is voter fraud. There's also voter fraud here. The question is whether or not it's very, very widespread and to what impact it could have. And it could have a serious impact. But I think for the most part, the bigger problem is not fraud. I really don't think so, to be completely honest. I think it's actually this. Millions of mail-in ballots at risk in battleground states with looming deadlines. Democrats have been screaming now. Do not mail your voting. Take your vote in person. 
If you got a mail-in ballot, bring it to the box or go in person and vote. And I tell you this, if you waited till election day, you're going to regret it. It is going to be packed lines. Woo. We're already seeing in some states, I think in Texas, they've surpassed the total vote count from 2016. Now, this is bad news for Republicans. High voter turnout is good news for Democrats, typically. But we don't know what's going to happen. We really don't. Everybody seems to think they know. Anybody saying they do, they don't. They, they, they don't. They're lying. But let's read and see what's going on with this guy trying to register dead people. Fox News reports. Someone appears to have attempted to register dozens of dead people as Democrats in Florida. Stephen Vancor, Broward County Supervisor of Elections, spokesperson, confirmed in an email statement to Fox News. Officials in Broward County, a Democratic stronghold in Florida's second most populous county, uncovered the scheme over the summer. Fortunately, the system we have in place works. The improper registrations were flagged in a timely manner, and the information was turned over to law enforcement for prosecution, Vancor added. We are also pleased to inform you that there was no attempt by this person or persons to cast a ballot, which is good news. Okay, it's good news, right? Florida, a key swing state in the 2020 election that is heavily targeted by President Trump and former Vice President uh, Joe Biden uh, campaigns. Broward County Supervisor of Elections officials flagged the registrations as suspicious and turned them over to the Brownty to the Broward State Attorney's Office. We cannot comment on an ongoing criminal investigation. State's Attorney Office spokeswoman Paula McMahon told the Associated Press in an email. But the correspondence between the state's attorney's office and Broward Elections Supervisor Pete and Tanachi shows that officials could not determine who mailed the registrations because there was no return address. The registration applications were received in 19 envelopes. 30 of the 51 were verified by the state's attorney's office as being deceased. The identities of the other 21 could not be verified by only date or uh, date of birth and name. Assistant state attorney Tim Donnelly said in a letter to Antonacci, dated October 22nd. The incident was, was first reported by South Florida Sun Sentinel, which reported that someone from South Carolina submitted at least 50 voter applications to the Broward Elections Office, and about 30 of the people were dead. Five of the names were already on the voter rolls, but investigators said no absentee ballots had been requested. The deadline to request the ballot was October 24th. The Sun Sentinel reported that at least three of the applications evaded detection and were added to the Broward voter rolls in July. Two of those people had died in June. The registration applications were sent in 19 envelopes, though authorities have yet to determine who mailed them. The fraud was uncovered when the Sun Sentinel asked about a handful of suspicious voter ID cards sent to a man in Davie, which were deemed to be part of a larger scheme. The Associated Press contributed to this report. I know it's maybe sensational, but I don't think this story is going to have much of an impact. I think what you got to be more worried about is the mail-in voter failure. So far, what we've seen I think the most shocking voter fraud we've seen came from Project Veritas, where a woman said she could swing thousands of votes. That's worrying. And I hope she's investigated. And apparently the AG is going to be investigating. The bigger concern is the lawsuits. I have no doubt that Democrats and Republicans will be firing off a record number of lawsuits. Lots of their funding is going to go into suing, saying certain votes should or shouldn't count. And here we go from The Wall Street Journal. Millions of mail-in ballots at risk in battleground states with looming deadlines. Postal slowdowns affect key states where razor-thin vote margins decided the 2016 presidential race. Millions of mail-in ballots haven't been received by election offices in critical battleground states, where recent slowdowns in mail deliveries 
risk some votes not arriving in time to count for the presidential election. As you may know, mail-in ballots heavily favor Democrats. So here we go. If these ballots don't make it in time, they've already laid the groundwork to blame Trump for the post office slowdowns. I don't know who is or isn't responsible, but if these mail-in ballots don't arrive, they're going to challenge the legitimacy of the election. So perhaps what do we see? A Donald Trump victory. And how do they explain the media was wrong? No, the mail-in people, you know, their, their ballots, they didn't come in. See, they were telling the truth. They did want to vote for Biden, but Donald Trump cheated. Supreme Court will rule in his favor and they'll say. Most people were honest in the polls. They wanted Joe Biden and they mailed in millions of ballots, which never arrived because Donald Trump rigged the election. You know, when we know it, but the Supreme Court's going to rule in Trump's favor, saying you can't prove it. There'll be no evidence of wrongdoing or the best part. How much you want to bet? We get a special prosecutor and they call this one postal gate. For three years, we will then have to figure out what happened. There will be hearings. Adam Schiff is going to be like, Donald Trump is, is, is destroying the post office on purpose. It's going to be great, isn't it? They got to do everything in their power to make sure that Trump can't actually do anything. But I'll tell you what. The Democrats have no one to blame but themselves. There's no chain of custody for mail-in ballots. And that means you can't expect me to come to your side when you're like, but what about these ballots we just found in a box? I'm going to be like, I don't know where those came from. And we're not going to. That's a serious problem. With Project Veritas, I saw the video where the lady was saying she goes to different post offices. I'm going to let y'all in on a secret. I was told. Uh, well, also, let me finish that thought, actually. People might spread the votes around and they'll get left in a box. We don't know where they come from. And that, cr- that, that freaks people out, right? I was told by YouTube. My video was confirmed demonetized. One of the rare instances where a video I do, I didn't break any rules. Ah, they have unspoken rules now, apparently. They told me that insinuating major voter fraud could discourage people from voting. Therefore, they've demonetized it. No strike, no guideline strike, just demonetized. Well, they demonetized it well after the video went up. So most of the money comes in the first day anyway. But I said, what about my video implied that there's like voter fraud literally everywhere? I said it was one person. I'm pretty sure I typically say I don't think it's widespread. And that's the problem. Trump shouldn't be talking about voter fraud because voter fraud isn't the problem. The problem is error. And it's a fact. There's a higher margin of error for mail-in ballots. And even Democrats are telling people to go and physically bring their ballot in. Seems like they made a mistake. I'll tell you one thing that's really funny, too. I'm seeing a bunch of lefties say, if you've already voted by mail, then they now they're saying go in and vote in person anyway to make sure because if your absentee ballot comes in after the fact, it'll be disqualified. Trump literally said that. And they said he was encouraging people to vote twice. I'm sick of it. The lies. Duplicitousness. They're always lying, aren't they? Trump said that if you mail in your ballot and you're unsure, go in on Election Day and make sure you vote. Because if your ballot comes in afterwards, they'll just discard it. Now the Democrats are saying the same thing, even though they accuse Trump of lying and telling people to commit crimes. I'm just so sick of it. I want it to stop. And the only way it does, in my opinion, is if Trump crushes the Democrats so they can finally learn we will not stand for this. Unfortunately, many people probably will. Anyway, about the YouTube thing. So they demonetized my video, right? And they said that 
implying that, you know, mail-in voter fraud is widespread is not allowed on YouTube. I've never said that. Okay, maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it came out wrong. My point has always been that the problem Trump had, we keep saying voter fraud. Well, it's true. There's no hard evidence. Veritas uncovered this one crazy, you know, big story. But the real issue is that do you trust government bureaucracy and the post office to make sure that one of the most important things in, the, the, you, in, in your life, your right to vote, do you trust them to handle that? I don't. And it's no disrespect to the post office, but stuff goes missing all the time. You know, I recently uh, were having a party. I wanted to order combos, you know, combos, the little cracker snacks. And they got the filling in them. They're so good. I wanted to order 10 bags of each flavor. I accidentally ordered 10 cases of a couple flavors, and now we have boxes all over. And I'm like, oh, how did I do this? It was a big order. We're doing a big order for a big party. I didn't realize. But guess what? You know what went missing? The seven-layer burrito flavor. If I, if, if I can't trust them to carry my combos, my little cracker snacks with the little the seven-layer burrito flavor one, they're really awesome, by the way. Why am I going to trust them with my ballot? You want to go vote. You want to make sure your vote counts. And like the Democrats said, you want to go do it in person. The election is a coming. I'm getting tired. We'll see how it plays out. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Joe Biden's team canceled a Texas event after highway ambush by MAGA cavalry. I think the Trump supporters stepped in it this time. I don't think Biden needed to cancel the event. They're arguing that this put the, the bus in danger. And apparently they say, you know, someone tried sideswiping a, a Biden volunteer. And my understanding is you've got uh, some people have actually said it was the Biden volunteer trying to push a truck away. And then the truck's tires rubbed on the side of the car and nobody was hurt. I don't like the Trump supporters did this. They were in a bunch of cars surrounding the Biden Harris van, all honking. And you know, they're waving their Trump flags. But I also don't think the Biden team needed to cancel because there were a bunch of Trump vehicles in a parade. But before I uh, issue any criticisms, let's read the story and actually figure out what happened here. Yahoo News says Joe Biden's presidential campaign canceled a Friday event in Austin, Texas, after harassment from a pro-Trump contingent. Texas has emerged as a battleground state in Tuesday's presidential election, with polls showing that the uh, showing the typically Republican stronghold now only marginally favoring President Donald Trump. The Biden campaign scheduled a Friday event in the state in a bid to drum up last minute support. But when the Biden campaign bus drove to Austin, it was greeted by a blockade of pro-Trump demonstrators, leading to what one Texas House a one Texas House representative described as an escalation well beyond safe limits. I don't disagree. I don't think the cars should be cha- you, you shouldn't just it's, just don't do this. You know, the cancellation comes amid national anxiety about voter intimidation. A tactic the Trump campaign has implicitly endorsed. Oh, shut up. Come on. Implicitly endorsed. Uh-huh. Look, a bunch of guys in their cars were waving Trump flags. It's not the end of the world. You didn't have to cancel your event. I'm not going to be one of these people. I'm seeing a bunch of Trump supporters saying, this is so awesome. Trump supporters, epic. Woo, we chased Biden out and stuff like that. And I'm like, nah, that's stupid. Let Biden go do his thing. Free speech. No heckler's veto. None of that stuff. But come on. It's not the end of the world. Implicitly endorsed intimidation, please. Historian Dr. Eric Servini was driving to help with the Biden campaign stop 
when he filmed a line of pickup trucks along the highway, many of them flying Trump flags. The drivers were waiting to ambush the Biden-Harris campaign as it uh, the bus as it traveled from San Antonio to Austin. Servini tweeted, I don't know if it's this guy. I think it was this guy. But I'm pretty sure it was this guy tweeting like, this is exactly what the brown shirts did in the Third Reich. It's all it's all happening. Oh, dude, you know, I am so tired of all of this. My friends, I think I'm going to take like a 20 year vacation after uh, let's call it a 50 year vacation. How about an early retirement after this election? Talk about mind numbing insanity from lunatics who think it is the, the Fourth Reich or whatever they're calling it. I, uh, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm, I'm going to go have a pizza and crack open a soda and watch some TV because I just can't wait for Wednesday. You know what's going to happen on Wednesday? It's not going to be over. <laughs> I don't know when we're going to know it's over, but they are really drawing this out. And I'm getting to that point where I'm going to be like, I am, I am, I, if you, I'm so help me, I am going to take my van down by the river and go fishing. I am going to, ta- I, actually, I don't need to take my van. I can just go walk. I'm just getting uh, uh, tired of everything. Fatigued is maybe not the right word. Burnout certainly isn't the right word. I'm more eager than ever to do work, to film new videos, to meet new people. But this is just, these people are so nuts. What do they need to, like, do they need medication? It's not World War II, dude. I don't know. Maybe Spanish Civil War, sure. He goes on to say, these Trump supporters, many of whom were armed, surrounded the bus on the interstate and attempted to drive it off the road, he alleged. Oh, no, they didn't. They outnumbered police 50 to 1, and they ended up hitting a staffer's car. Oh, my. A Biden campaign staffer told the Daily Beast that Trump supporters surrounded the bus on the highway and slowed down in front of it, attempting to stop it or run it off the road. The officials had a picture taken on the bus showing Trump trucks surrounding the front of the vehicle. Staffers on the bus called police who helped the bus reach its destination. This is one of the stupidest things ever. Trump supporters should not be doing this. And I'm just why would you hand the Biden campaign fodder? Why would you why would you why would you do this? It's just so annoying. Video from the highway shows trucks surrounding the bus at one point colliding with an SUV. Jeez. Well, let's actually we'll actually see what happened here so we can see there's a bunch of vehicles. Someone said to me it was actually the Trump. I'm sorry, the Biden staffer that was pushing in on a truck causing the problems. So far in this video, I don't really see uh, much of anything happening other than people are just driving. Yeah. Oh, OK. There we go. See, I don't know what this is all about. Looks like the truck pushed the, the car off and the car got some scuffs from the tires of this pickup truck. This is this is some of the stupidest stuff I've ever seen, man. I'm just so sick of it. Yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy who was like Trump is is bringing out his brown shirts because you see a bunch of people in pickup trucks. Shut up. Was it dumb? Of these people to do this? Yes, it's extremely infuriating. What are you doing? Leave the Biden bus alone. Man, I'm just so sick of everybody. To be fair, you know, it's usually the left engaging in kind of Antifa style stuff. But I'll tell you this, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and 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 just be like, oh, it's it's fine. It's fine. Nah, man. I'm not into it. It's frustrating. I like it when you see the Trump rallies in their little cars, they're waving their flags and they're driving around these parades. Those are great. That's great. It's fantastic. I like it when the left goes out and protests and waves little flags saying Black Lives Matter. That's fantastic. But when you cross that line into some kind of act of aggression, that's where I'm like, nah, man. Now, I'll be fair. What the Trump supporters are doing here is not anywhere near as bad as what Antifa does. 
It's still annoying. Why? Are you going to? I don't know. I have no idea. They say footage from a CBS affiliate in Austin shows Trump supporters with signs and bullhorns surrounding the bus when it parked with one person screaming that Biden was a communist. I just I'm so over it. Rep. Cheryl Cole, a Democrat representing nearby Pflugerville in Texas, uh, Texas's house, announced that a Biden event in her city has been canceled due to the harassment. This is a first for me, but we just canceled a joint event in Pflugerville with Joe Biden. That's messed up. That's called the heckler's veto. Now, maybe the Biden camp is overreacting, but it doesn't matter. You shouldn't be doing things like this. The heckler's veto is when people threaten violence or harass or yell or shout people down. Not a fan. The Biden campaign's Texas communications director, Tariq Thofi, said holding the event would have placed Biden staffers and supporters at risk. Rather than engage in productive conversation about the drastically different visions that Joe Biden and Donald Trump have for our country, Trump supporters in Texas today instead decided to put out our put our staff, surrogates, supporters and others in harm's way. Our supporters will continue to organize their communities for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris and Democrats up and down the ballot. And to the Texans who dis, dis, uh, disrupted our events today, we'll see you on November 3rd. The Trump campaign and often Trump himself has encouraged in-person conflict. That's a lie. Everyone needs to shut up. Trump used the first presidential debate to urge supporters to act as poll watchers, a call that sparked concerns of voter intimidation. I'm so ready for this to be done. You are allowed to watch the polls. Poll watchers are a normal thing. That's it. They said that Trump was encouraging people to commit felonies when he said to make sure your vote counted. If it did, if the absentee vote didn't come in, go and vote in person. Now they're saying the same thing. That's what they do. Donald Trump says, volunteer to be a poll watcher. And they say he's trying to intimidate Joe Biden's voters. And then a bunch of Trump people in trucks start honking and following this, this Biden van. And you're giving them everything they've needed. I'm so ready for regular whatever. I'm not sure normalcy is coming back, though. But I'll tell you, man, the, the, like people need to just stop. People need to chill in every capacity. The, the, what, the most frustrating thing about this is that I don't want to see it. Trump supporters shouldn't be doing this. Again, not the worst thing in the world, but don't give them the fodder. Don't give them the satisfaction. If you can't restrain yourselves, if you can't hold back, they're going to use it all against you. And I know I can already hear it. But Tim, it's not fair. We didn't do anything. We're driving in trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's not the biggest deal in the world. Driving in a bunch of cars, waving Trump flags, no big deal. It's just in this instance, they are looking for any opportunity to smear. They ignore Antifa. Maybe it'll work like in the sense that regular people know better and they're sick of the lies. They're sick of the propaganda and the manipulation. But I think this is just this is the reason why disaffected liberals, moderates, politically homeless people are just saying they don't want to vote for anybody. It is. I know many many Trump supporters might not want to hear it, but it's true. It's 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 I don't know, man. Make gives me a headache, I guess. I want Trump to win for a variety of reasons. Uh, I want peace in the Middle East. I want our troops to come home. I want critical race theory out the window. But I don't want people to be going out and engaging in, in this kind of stuff. I don't I, I, I don't care the degree on a scale of one to ten. I'd call this a one, maybe a two. Antifa is an, is an eight. The Michael Rhino thing was a ten. Killing somebody. 
what do we got to do to get back to just going to the sports bar, having some wings and watching the game? You know, I don't know if we can. I don't know if we will. I think we're going to see a lot more coming. I think it's silly the Biden campaign canceled the event over this, but I think Trump supporters walked right into it. So whatever, man. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. Well, this certainly doesn't matter at all. Joe Biden is slammed for calling Trump fans ugly folks after they interrupt his Minnesota rally with honking horns, leading critics to compare a moment to Hillary Clinton's deplorables. He also called them chumps, which doesn't matter. I don't think anybody who's voting cares. I think we're at a point where a lot of people are voting because they hate Trump or they like Trump. No one cares about Joe Biden. No one cares what Joe Biden has to say for the most part. But I tell you this, if there are undecided voters, and this probably matters, you know, Joe Biden is supposed to be better than Trump, but in many ways he does similar things. Joe Biden interrupted Trump in the first debate. Joe Biden calls people names. He's another wannabe tough guy. He's just not as tough as Trump. So it's like if I had to pick between two loud mouths, you know, I guess I'm just going to go out and pick Trump. But uh, apparently more interesting is that Bernie Sanders says Democratic Party has become the party of coastal elites. This one is the more interesting story to me. So we'll read this because like a last minute, I mean, It's like a last minute slamming of the Democratic Party. Maybe Bernie Sanders is trying to convince progressives he's there to fight for them and make sure Joe Biden does the right thing. Or it's all BS. And Bernie Sanders is just a big old sellout. Here's the first story. They say Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has drawn criticism after calling Trump supporters who interrupted his drive in rally by honking horns ugly folks. Dr. Fauci called for a mask mandate last week. This is a political statement. This isn't a political statement like those ugly folks over there beeping the horn. This is a patriotic duty for God's sake. And uh, said Biden at a rally on Friday in St. Paul, Minnesota. It came less than a minute after Biden had stated, we need a president who will bring us together, not pull us apart. Isn't it funny how Joe Biden is a hypocrite? I remember during the debate, he goes, I don't think about states as red states and blue states, just the United States. But it's the red states that are getting covid uh huh. Tell me again about how you, do, you don't draw a distinction. It was almost like a Colbert sketch where it's like, I don't see color, by the way. Yeah, we get it. The drive-in rally was invite only with a detail sent out to a small list of party activists. And in the parking lot, even the cars were socially distant, parked about 10 to 20 feet apart because he has no supporters and no one would show up. That's why the people who actually showed up work on his campaign. They say outside the perimeter fence, a crowd of Trump supporters gathered, waving flags and displaying signs supporting the Republican candidate. It followed Biden calling Trump supporters chumps when they tried to crash his drive in rally in Pennsylvania last weekend. Biden's critics accused him of echoing Hillary Clinton's infamous basket of deplorables remark from the 2016 campaign. I guess calling those supported different political candidate chumps and ugly folks is a step up from deplorables, remarked one user. Radio host Derek Hunter tweeted, I will end the name calling and bring the country together. Unlike those ugly folks over there, those chumps who disagree with me, they probably work in the oil and gas industry and are whining that I'm going to put them out of work. Oh, well, screw them. Ha ha ha. Very funny. I mean, look, that's the gist of the story. Biden invited party activists because regular people probably wouldn't show up for two reasons. One, 
Biden's base of support is nearly non-existent. And two, people are terrified of COVID, at least on the Democratic side, which is going to seriously hurt them when it comes to the in-person vote. I think Trump's on track to win. I got to be honest, but that's just my gut. I really don't know. Bernie Sanders, however, finally saying what needed to be said. He says the Democratic Party has become a party of coastal elites. Bernie Sanders, the independent senator from Vermont, criticized the Democratic Party on Thursday, claiming it has become a party of coastal elites. Sanders made the comments while appearing on Late Night with Seth Meyers. The host acknowledged the Democratic Party has gotten away from America's working class over the years, to which Sanders nodded his head in agreement. If Democratic nominee Joe Biden wins November 3rd, Meyers then asked, what should Biden do to bring the Democratic Party back to serving the working people in this country? Bernie said, I think it's fair to say that in many ways, the Democratic Party has become a party of the coastal elites, folks who have a lot of money, upper middle class people who are good people who believe in social justice in many respects. But I think for many, many years, the Democratic Party has not paid the kind of attention to working class needs that they should have. Sanders, who has caucused with the Democratic Party for most of his congressional career, cited the donors and businesses that often often fund campaigns as part of the reason for this apparent shift in the party's demographics. The senator stressed that Democrats in Congress need to start uh, bursting out of the blocks in an effort to protect working people. He said that he is working on a 100 day program to help the party achieve just that, particularly if it gains control over the Senate, which doesn't seem likely as of right now, but we don't know for sure. But I'll tell you, Bernie Sanders sold out to the establishment. Donald Trump did not. Donald Trump won. Maybe Bernie Sanders sold out because he lost and he felt the only way to get in and make these changes was to just give the Democrats whatever they want, say whatever they want. Well, Bernie, you want to come to me and tell me the Democrats are the party of the elites. Look who's talking. Joe Biden funded by Wall Street. You said to support him. Joe Biden, Joe Biden funded by more people in upper upper class zip codes than Donald Trump. And you want me to support him. I'll tell you why it's the party of the elites, because of people like you. You sold a best-selling book. Congratulations, by the way. I got no beef. Well, now you're a millionaire. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Now, tell me about the millionaires who are subverting our democracy, like the ones funding Donald Trump. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the ones funding Joe Biden, because he's a candidate of Wall Street. What's that? You don't care about the millionaires anymore? You stopped saying millionaires and billionaires when you became a millionaire? Yeah. The Democratic Party is the party of the elites. It's a big club and they let Bernie Sanders in and he didn't care about you no more. Look, I think Bernie Sanders found his golden ticket. I think for the first time in his life, he's wealthy and he's enjoying himself. And hey, man, more power to you. The only problem is you became wealthy as a civil servant who made money off a book. You made a million bucks, a little bit more. You bought an extra summer home. And now all of a sudden you stop criticizing millionaires. You know, Bernie, there's a big difference between you and somebody who's got $999 million, right? That person's not a billionaire. They're still a millionaire. Yeah, guess what? Call them out. I don't like rich people manipulating our elections. I don't like the fact that our nation has become essentially a plutocracy or a plutonomy, essentially. And there are many institutions that have said just this. If you want to make a difference in this country, it's all about having money and access. That's just that's how it's, it's been working. There was a study that found public opinion does nothing to sway how our politicians vote. It's only the donor class, the wealthy elites. And Bernie Sanders knows it. And the Democrats have abandoned the working class. Strangely, Donald Trump is there. But for the people who would show up and challenge Wall Street Joe, they, they're called ugly folks. They're called chumps. Now, I'm not a fan of the heckler's veto. 
I don't think they should show up to a Biden rally honking their horns. But these are the regular people of this country. The Democrats are the progressive wealthy elites from universities, from the cities and from Wall Street. And that's what we're up against right now. I think it's funny to all the people from Occupy Wall Street who are like, Tim's changed, man, because I criticize Antifa. I'm like, dude, I was criticizing the same people way back then. I think it's funny that I am still opposed to the massive multinational corporations and the millionaires and the billionaires subverting our, our, our political structure with their, with their cash. And it's the left totally on board with it. What happened to people, man? I tell you, I don't know. They say the senator stressed that Democrats in Congress need to start bursting out of the blocks. Those protections, Sanders said, include passing a very substantive coronavirus relief bill similar to the one Congress passed in March. Blame Nancy Pelosi, whose net worth is what, 200 plus million dollars? The package should extend the weekly $600 payments that supplemented state unemployment benefits, as well as the one-time $1,200 payment to working families and individuals. The legislation should provide health care to anyone who might have lost it and financial aid to cities and towns so they don't have to lay off workers. The senator also advocated raising the minimum wage to at least $15 an hour. Yeah, that's Bernie. I don't trust him. You know, I used to. And it's really funny that Bernie Sanders was long viewed as this trustworthy politician. This guy has been in office for a real long time and he's telling you the truth. Not anymore. Now he's just another one of the establishment elites. He endorsed Hillary Clinton at the first moment he got. He endorses Joe Biden, the candidate of Wall Street. How much money were they making from Goldman Sachs speeches? I think it's funny. These people are the, the ivory tower elites, the wealthy, the noble class, whatever you want to call them. Bernie Sanders was supposed to be a populist. Nope. For Bernie Sanders, it's not about the will of the people. It's about the will of the elite. And that's why he is telling you to vote for Joe Biden. Now, he's criticizing them. I can respect that. That's fine. But in the end, he's just another party establishment crony. And so is Joe Biden. And they all deserve each other. And you know what? For the most part, the Republicans are very much the same way. But there are a few. A couple Democrats handful of Republicans. Rand Paul always gets a shout. I think he's a good dude. And Donald Trump is something else. So you know what? Come November, I do personally hope Donald Trump wins for a lot of reasons, for a lot. I want the establishment to face comeuppance. For many people who voted for Trump in the first time, they wanted that. They wanted to show the Democratic establishment and the media that they were here and they were they, they were vocal and they were loud. And now, in 2016, I did, I'm sorry, in 2020, I didn't vote in 2016. I'm so sick of the lies. I'm so sick of the manipulation and the deceit. I want to see them face karmic justice and be defeated. The polls being wrong would be the ultimate smackdown to the mainstream media. And Donald Trump winning once again would say to these people, you are wrong and you must stop now. Otherwise, they'll keep chasing the dragon. Whatever ridiculous far left policy pops up on Twitter and they put in their agenda because they're nuts. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then.